Hello and welcome to another episode of Tots. I'm your host, Ben Gardner. Today on the show, we have Jay Nightride. He is a VJ and a musician. This will be his second time on the show. Jay, welcome. Thanks, man. I'm so glad to be back. I uh, I wish I had cooked up some tater tots for today because I think uh, I think we should both just be eating bowls of tater tots when we talk. I think absolutely. Uh, next time, okay, I'm gonna remember that. Next time, I'm sending you a nice bag of tater tots with some dry ice in there. Keep them nice and cool. I'll send you Ooh. some condiments. We'll get it going. It's gonna be good. <laughs> a plus, you'll see me over here just tossing them up like champagne spraying. Absolutely. I mean. I think tater tots are better than champagne, but that's just like, that's probably a me and you thing, though. If I tater had to take life. a preference, tater tots and, and, a, and a variety of sauces would really bring it home. Yes. And I think maybe like a model, like dipping them for you and like tossing <laughs> them into your mouth. Slow motion, just the, the honey mustard's dripping down. <laughs> just, oh man, this is great. Little, uh, <laughs> like the grapes on a vine. You've got a bunch of tater tots yeah, on a vine. Yeah. It's, oh, yeah, that's man. golden. There we go. I'm doing it. Yeah. I'm doing it. Awesome. I don't know how. You should. I'm going to grow them on a vine. It'd be a good promo, just like you shirtless, like eating eating tater tots like grapes and be like, <laughs> welcome to the Tots podcast, you know? Exactly. I'm your host. That'd be sick, man. You should get on that. You're welcome. I'm going to do it. Yeah. I See, I need to start paying you like a consulting fee for all this <laughs> consulting you're doing for us. Right. I love it. So since we've last talked, you've done a bunch of cool shit really you've done a bunch of cool stuff you've been working on cool stuff so i want to hear about that but you also are still running your company tell me how you guys have been pivoting with everything going on with covid oh, oh man i mean covid has hit us out of right field it's funny because i feel like last time we talked was like just before covid really had you know hit hard um, and as a company, we've been working hard to try to differentiate ourselves. And obviously we don't have live events anymore. Uh, we've been doing these green screen things with Steve Aoki and, and Dioro, but I feel like a lot of the virtual concerts are kind of changing and we're just trying to adapt with the times, man. Um, you know, we've been doing some projection mapping. Uh, we recently went down to San Diego courthouse and projected some black lives matter, uh, material onto the building to try to, uh, contribute to the cause and also, you know, find ways to, to use our creativity to benefit the public while we're in this downtime. Yeah. And I feel like that's, that's something too. That's like, first of all, that was really cool. And second of all, it's something I was talking to another guest about last week about how you need to find like what you're really good at and what your talents are. And then if you want to make a statement or you want to do something you should do it through that outlet because to do it through anything else would be a waste of time. But when you're really good at something and you know what you're doing, doing stuff like that, I think is awesome because you're like, I'm going to put my talent into something that I care about and, and try and make a change. So that's really cool. Yeah, I think it was really hard for us at first because Nate and I, uh, Nate's my business partner who tours with Dioro, him and I were chatting a lot about like how we could contribute and and show that we care. And I think it's really hard because social media sometimes feels so shallow, you know, and um, we didn't want to get in the streets and protest with COVID going on. We didn't feel comfortable taking that direction, although we respect the people who did. I think we just uh, needed to find how we could contribute. We're like, why not do what we do best, you know? Yeah, exactly. I think that's awesome. So along with like everything going on recently, have you heard about all this Will Smith and uh, Jada Smith stuff going on? <laughs> yeah, I heard a bit. I heard a bit. So I wanted to also ask you how your uh, personal entanglement is making it through COVID. How are you guys doing? 
Oh man. I mean, <laughs> it, it, COVID makes things tough. I think I've been spending a lot of time with my dog. Me, me and the dog have been going on little cruises with the top down and, uh, I think uh, that's 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 as much entanglement as I can handle at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> and you guys also, I follow you on Instagram, and it's it's great seeing you and your dog walking around. You guys have a tortoise that you visit, do you not? <laughs> yeah, Maui. His name is Maui. Maui the tortoise. There you go. Yeah, man. About halfway through this walk, we take this three mile walk every day. I've been trying to really get healthy and uh, halfway through, we we do we we fall upon this tortoise and shadow my dog really really loves that turtle man we we show up and they're like the turtle will come to the gate and they look at each other and it's it's weird but i don't know i dig it <laughs> that's awesome yeah and i mean you look good you look like you've lost a little weight you're getting a little more sleep like how do you feel with everything going on is it giving you a chance to take a break or are you still really rushing things and and kicking butt yeah i mean it's really difficult i think a lot of people are struggling now with anxiety and and stress i've been trying to do my best i have i've lost 15 pounds actually since the quarantine that's started. awesome congrats uh, man i love it thank you man honestly i yeah. feel the healthiest physically that i've ever been mentally uh, i'm just as bad as everybody else i think in the, <laughs> in the sense of feeling lost and not sure what's going on right now um sure I'm just doing my best to stay productive and stay healthy and take advantage of the time since I, I've never had this much time home in my life, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I bet your family loves having you there as well. And, and, you know, trying to get that time in, spend that time before things, uh, you know, eventually ramp back up again and you're back on the road. Yeah. I mean, most of my family's in Boston and I'm over here in San Diego, but we do a lot of FaceTiming. I've had a lot more time to call my grandma and my mom, my dad, and kind of talk to people, catch up and not just be in between tour dates. Like, Hey, what's up? I want to say hi real quick, you know? So they, they've really appreciated me taking that time for sure. And I, I, I've also valued that time even more. So I think, uh, it gets easy when you're busy working and hustling to, to forget to take that time with people. And I think, the industry in general is really learning that we weren't doing things right for ourselves or for the people we care about. And I think a lot of that's going to help change how things come back, you know? Yeah, exactly. So I wanted to ask you also, I mentioned in the beginning, you've been doing some, some really cool stuff uh, during quarantine, even with all of these, you know, parameters and restrictions that are now in place. So I don't know if most people know, but you actually did a concert with Steve Aoki and a couple other people through Fortnite. Tell me about like how that came to be and, and what that experience was like for you guys. Yeah, I mean, that was it's really funny because we had probably about a month of, of nothing, no shows, no. We, I had barely even talked to Steve, to be honest. We just kind of everyone's been doing their own resting and meditation. The team's been doing their own thing. And um, when I got the call from Steve's assistant saying, hey, we got this Fortnite thing we need some help with. I was like, Fortnite? <laughs> Now, to be fair, I've never played Fortnite. I know it's huge. I never? know everyone. Never. I never even tried it. And I love Call of Duty. Like, really? I, I, just, I mean, I, I don't, I don't like Fortnite, but yeah. I've played it before. I feel it's like table stakes. Like, if you play video games, you have to at least try it. Yeah. Never? <laughs> never, man. I, I cheat my video games like I cheat my music. I just listen to the same five albums and I play the same five video games, you know? <laughs> but anyway, right. we did the Fortnite yeah. thing. Yeah. And uh, I went to Steve's house. I drove because he, uh, you know, he didn't feel comfortable with me flying, which makes a lot of sense. And I, I didn't feel comfortable flying either. So we, we discussed it and I ended up driving um, from San Diego to Vegas, which felt great. And uh, when I got to his house, uh, I got COVID tested uh, immediately. We had these te finger prick tests. So I got tested and waited out for the results. And then, uh, you know, once I tested negative, I went in the house and 
we set up the green screen in his mansion and uh, we did the stream from there. And it, it was really cool. I mean, the Fortnite guys are great. They're so nice and, and intelligent and down to earth. I didn't feel like I was talking to a corporate company or something. It just felt like homies wanting to do something cool. So it was kind of like everyone was open ideas and, and visuals. And we uh, made a custom visual LED booth under Steve. And then we set up a, a computer with Fortnite next to us. So while Steve was streaming and I was running visuals live with the green screen behind him, I could actually look to my left and see the Fortnite game and see everyone jumping around at their characters. That's so cool. So how did how did you set up virtually, I guess? Because for those who don't know, and we'll, we'll put something up on the screen now, there's a bunch of different platforms and panels and things like that, almost like you would have at a normal concert, but obviously not following the same physics. Like they're kind of floating there and it's it's like really cool how it's like organized and everything. So how did you kind of map that out. Um, whereas you, you might normally be doing that with like a physical panel. How did you do that with like virtual panels? Yeah. So basically we use a green screen technique, which for those who don't know, is just a, it's basically a sheet that's green. And um, <laughs> what it does is it allows you to replace anything green in the picture with visuals or content. So um, in our situation, when I showed up, we had the green screen behind Steve and then we took one and put it in front and brought it up to the DJ booth. And mm -hmm. then, uh, then we had our, his videographer, Tony, videotaping. That video feed goes into a laptop, and then my visual feed goes into that same laptop, and then the audio mix from the DJ rig goes into that same laptop. So everything's wow. going into this one laptop station, and it runs a software called OBS, which basically takes the audio, takes the visuals, takes the video, puts them all together, and then adds an effect that keys out the green so that my visuals show behind it. So it looks like uh, a video wall or something like that. You get the similar effect, obviously, but a little more floaty for sure. <laughs> That's awesome. And so how was it for you? Obviously, it's much, much different, like the energy and actually being in person at a you know, physical concert and show. What did you like about it and what did you not like about it? Yeah, I mean, everyone loves doing stuff from the comfort of their home, you know, and, and I think that, you know, it's nice just hanging out with Steve and the guys and, and you know, kind of we, we had even spoken, like I said, for, for a while. So it was nice to see everybody. And, you know, it was, it was more like hanging out with friends and, and spending time together. And then, um, you know, and then we're just doing the stream, which I, we know millions of people are going to see it because Fortnite has that kind of viewership. So there's the sense of like excitement and like similar to a show where you get that adrenaline of like, yeah, let's go, let's do this. It's going to be sick. Hell yeah. Right. Like we're all pumped up right before we do it. And then, um, and then it's very much kind of like, oh, but there's there's no people here. So, I mean, you don't get the same adrenaline. It's not the same feeling. If I was doing it long term, I'm sure I would get bored. Um, you know, it's, it's all for the, for the fans. So not being able to see the fans react in real time, it, it, it kills the experience for me. And I'm sure even more so for the artist. Right. So it's I feel like, yeah, you still you're still getting some of that energy like just from the fact that you know like millions of people are watching and enjoying and experiencing it along with you and and your craft and all of that but at the same time it's like you know the ground's not thumping the air isn't you know vibrating around you and like you can't can't feel the energy so i can imagine like if we were stuck in a situation like this and this was for you know 3 years in the future i'm i'm going to knock on wood um, but, but I can see how that would, you know, that would kind of get discouraging because you're like, yeah, I'm putting on a great show and I love it. And this is what I like to do. And I'm comfortable. I'm at home or, you know, with Steve hanging out in the mansion, but like at the same point, it's not 
a real concert. Like it's not, it's not a physical thing. So how did you, how did you cope with that kind of after when you're like realizing like, Oh shoot, like this might be it for a while. Yeah. I mean, it's a bummer, man. It's, it's, it's been really a downer, uh, for all of us in the industry suffering from this. I think, um, everyone wants to get back to it, not just for the money, um, and, and not just for the fans, but really just, just for the, the experience. I mean, I don't think a, a lot of people understand, you know, what playing a show means to an artist and, and how much of a, of an outlet it is, you know, and now you have a lot of people that are sitting at home without that outlet. And, you know, luckily a lot of people are finding healthy ways to deal with that. And some people I'm sure are finding unhealthy ways to deal with that. You know, uh, I luckily took the route of, of trying to work out more and, and, and talk to family more, but, you know, it'd be easy to go down the path of just getting drunk or, or, you know, getting fucked up and not paying attention to the music and not paying attention to the, the things that you should be. And I hope that artists are taking the time now to be healthy and uh, up their mental health so that when this does comes back, you know, we'll, we'll come back stronger than ever. Sure. And for those people who are following you and your company on Instagram, you guys have been really busy, it seems, and you're putting out a lot of uh, visual projects. So like, what are you working on now that's got you really excited to go back to, I guess, normal or whatever comes after this? Yeah, I mean, the one benefit to this time is that we do have time to work on some personal side projects. Um, the, the team's kind of working on a lot of stuff right now. Um, between pivoting with projection mappings, we're also getting into a little bit of audio recording, as you can see the studio behind me. So we've been doing a lot of mixing and mastering of audio uh, for DJs and, and bands and stuff. And um, as a company, we're just trying to pivot the best we can. I think that uh, the, the goal is to try to figure out new ways to have that outlet and um, and, and benefit everyone. So. We're just trying our best to, to do cool things, like you said. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, going kind of off the trend of like virtual concerts, is this a direction that you see the music industry heading in even, you know, like post COVID? Like when things settle down, do you see virtual concerts still being around or no? Yeah, I think I think they will. I mean, streams have always been around, even when shows were around. You know, I think people have taken the time to perfect those things now, and a lot of uh, a lot of talented animators and stuff are coming out and doing cooler things with the virtual concerts. But at the end of the day, it just isn't the same. It isn't the same for the artists. It isn't the same for the fans, and everyone is very aware of that. Everyone I've spoken to has been bummed out about it. Even the drive-in concerts, it just like people don't seem happy. And if you're not happy, you're not having fun, what's the point of, of sharing that experience? So, um, you know, so long as they're so limiting, I think that virtual concerts are just something we have to depend on and deal with as, as a, a, a settling, you know, we're settling for it, but it's, uh, it's just not fulfilling the hunger the same way. Sure. Now, could you see in the future kind of going, it's, 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 I think it's related to the virtual concert. Um, I forget where I saw it, but there was a concept that someone put out where the concert is in person for all of the attendees and all of the texts and things like that. But the actual artist is doing a call in from like their house and it's like kind of like projected. I don't have you seen anything like that? And do you think like, you know, some of these older artists or people that might have trouble like getting out like like Steve when he's like, you know, 90. Do you think he he'll be doing some more like virtual like projection stuff or no? Uh, well, first of all, I'm convinced that Steve's going to live forever and look the same way he does now and perform the same way he does now for another 50 years. <laughs> um, I don't think that man ages a day. But um, aside from him, I think that artists in general 
I mean, that capability has always been there and I've never seen it really used that way to its extent. I think that if artists get to that point where they're, you know, too elderly or, um, you know, they can't leave their house or they feel too limited to go out and do that, that they probably just wouldn't perform. Um, you know, think about someone like the Beatles where they stopped playing shows so early in their career, but they kept making music. You know what I mean? Right. It's, it, at the end of the day for the artists, it's all about the music and the performances are important outlets, but you know, I can understand some artists kind of taking a back step. I just don't think the virtual performance does it for people. And I think that um, it's tough because the live performance, you can get away with kind of rawness. And that's that's what the artist is, is craving. And when you're doing something recorded and you play it back, no artist is happy with their self-recording, you know, off the bat. So it's just a weird situation. But I think that the live concerts are always going to trump anything virtual. Yeah. And I think too, like, something that you said really, really hit me, which is like, it's raw when they're there. And I feel like there's two things. First of all, there's that sense of like, they're here with me, not necessarily like you're actually going to meet that person, you're going to interact with them, or you're even close to stage. But they're actually at this place that like, I'm at as well. And you know, these other like, 250,000 people like so even though it's like silly to think that I think that that's a big thing for people too where it's like yeah like the the artist like probably came in on like the same road that I did or like they're at the same venue that I'm at and and I think that that also leads into people getting excited and I think the other thing too is the mistakes to me are part of the performance like I don't think I've ever been to a performance or concert where a mistake was made and like people didn't cheer at the mistake. Like it's a, it's like this weird thing with people where they're like, it's okay, they're figuring it out. Like, but this is part of live music. And I it's like the imperfections make something perfect. What do you think? Yeah, no, I mean I honestly I never thought about the presence factor. For sure, there's like a celebrity slash looking up to presence factor there of someone wanting to see someone in person. I mean, that's there's no doubt about that. I, I hadn't thought of that until you mentioned it, but for sure, that's a big, big piece of it, you know? And, um, but at the same time, it's like, I just don't understand how we can capture that virtually. And I think that uh, overall the fans will want that presence, like you said, you know? And I think that we'll see more of that once we're capable of doing it in a safe manner. Yeah, totally agree. And speaking of, of a possible solution, I was also watching a video the other day, and, and we'll put that up as well, of this drone performance. And it was like something like 100 drones or like 200 drones, and they had them all synced and coordinated and like the lights are going. And this is not this is not really new technology. I think we've had this for the past like decade, but I'm seeing them popping up more and more. Could you see in the future, you know, uh, Night Ride visuals getting into that kind of stuff? Or like, does that interest you or no? I think right now we're kind of moving more toward the animation market um, just because of, of COVID, obviously. Um, you know, we never leave anything untouched. I think that the drone uh, automation is really cool. They did it at the Super Bowl. It looked really nasty. And um, I think that there's a good future there. Like you said, the technology has been there. I think that now it's just being used for entertainment, which is cool. Um, but I think the drone thing is kind of a fad. Um, you know, it, it has its limitations. It has its benefits. I think that in contribution with a production, with everything kind of working together, that's the best way. I mean, I've always thought that, 
you know, lights by themselves or visuals by themselves, lasers by themselves, drones by themselves. It's not enough. You kind of need to use the tools to, to work together to create these cool, like really cohesive performances. And, and the drone effect's cool, but I think it's more of an effect than like a market on its own. So if we found an artist who wanted to pursue that, we'd probably bring in the professionals who crush it at it because we crush right. what, we, what we do and we'll let the people who crush it at what they do, do their thing. So we're going to keep cranking animations and touring and music and, and do what we love to do. And, and, you know, if we do a drone thing, I think it'd be more of a collaboration on our end. Sure. And so last time we talked to you had just, I believe you just gotten word that your tour had been canceled and I think you'd been home for a couple weeks. How has that transition been for you over the past, you know, four months, I guess it's been uh, into kind of like this, this new normal routine that you've kind of created. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, crying in the shower, is just something that's okay now. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Nothing can tell you're crying if it's getting washed away by the water. It's true, man. (laughs) But no, I think that, uh, I mean, I'm getting used to the routine. I think it'll be, it'll be difficult when touring comes back, um, to, to, you know, adapt back to that lifestyle of being awake and, and not sleeping a lot and not, you know, and being on the go. I think I've gotten used to getting eight hours sleep now, which is really weird because in 10 years I've been doing this, I've never really uh, lived a life where I had more than two or three days a week off. So having months off at a time, I think for everyone's been a big change. And uh, I've just been trying to be productive, man. I've been making music. Uh, we've been doing some streams from the house as well. We got a, we got a big blue screen kit. We've been starting this thing called... Uh, the pop punk pizza party where we play pop punk music and eat pizza on a live stream. And it's just a way for us uh, to do something fun for ourselves as a company and also explore technology and kind of figure out the best ways to handle these streams and, and do something cool with them and interact. So we've been following passion projects um, and, and night rides got a lot of stuff coming up over the course of the next year. Um, so we've been really working with the animation team to try to do these passion projects that may turn into something profitable when the market comes back and try to reinvest that time. Yeah. So tell me about your, your pizza party stream, because I I saw it the other day and it was awesome, but how did that idea start? And then how did it actually go? Cause I, I thought it looked great, but, but what was the reaction that you got from most people? Yeah, I mean, honestly, we just, it was mostly out of boredom. Uh, we found out that Nate lives with me. So him and I were sitting here like, what can we do during this time to be, you know, really uh, productive, but also happy in a time where everyone's so stressed. So it's kind of like, well, let's not do stuff we don't like to do. What do we like to do? We like to play music. We like pop punk. We like pizza. And we, we're good at visuals. And we have all this gear here. So why not do something with it, you know? So that's why, that's how the projection mapping started. And now uh, we were like, all right, cool. We'll get that side done. Now what can we do musically? Um, right before uh, COVID started, we had just taken on a residency in San Diego uh, where we would play pop punk music at this local dive bar uh, called The Office. So we'd play there and, we, and Nate and I would go and DJ these pop punk sets. So we were like, how can we kind of keep that vibe going so that the local people don't forget about us and we can keep kind of doing something fun. And we were like, well, let's get the blue screen. Let's get our visuals going. We'll make some custom content with pizza and stuff in the background. We'll dress in some funny outfits and just no stress. Let's just have fun. And it ended up being really cool. We got some good reception. You know, we had about 50 viewers, which, you know, first time stream with no promotion other than some Instagram shots um, isn't too bad. So we're hoping that in a month we're going to do another one and see how it goes and just keep building for fun. And if it's not fun, we'll stop doing it. Yeah, I love that. And and it's 
you know, it kind of gives me that vibe of like, as long as it's fun. And, and I think that that's such a huge thing too, because, you know, having, having people on the show, everyone's got like a different opinion on like what you need to be doing during COVID. And, you know, some people are very much like, you need to take time for your mental health. Other people are very much like, you got to get going. Anything that you've needed to get done, wanted to get done, now is the time. Do it right now. And then I think most people probably fall into that category of doing both. But it's so important to realize that even though, you know, I think a lot of us are introverts. But, you know, being in that situation where you're like hanging out at home and you're watching Netflix all day and you're playing music all day and, and you're just kind of, oh, man, like I'm just I'm sitting here not doing anything. It's I feel like it can get people down really quickly. And especially with everything going on, like mental health is so important. So doing something that's not necessarily for the money or not necessarily like going to catapult you forward for whatever reason, I feel like in focusing on that fun is a huge part of how people are actually going to get through this quarantine as, you know, as long as it's going to keep going. Yeah. I mean, I think you always, I've always had the goal of no, no expectations. You know, I go into everything and keep my expectations low. I'm just trying to do something that I want to do because I want to fulfill that, that goal, you know? And, you know, it's like, we talked a lot about dreams and goals on the last podcast. And it's like, you know, I don't want dreams. I want goals and I want to, I want to accomplish those goals. So if I want to, you know, do a pop punk DJ set, I'm just going to do it. And if it sucks and no one shows up, who cares, man? It, it, it wasn't for them. It was for me. And I feel like a lot of people who end up doing big things, they start with that mindset of, of, you know, I'm not doing this for other people. I'm doing it to satisfy myself. So who cares if I got two viewers or 10,000, you know, it's not about those people. And, and, you know, maybe someday it'll become about those people. But until then, I'm just doing what's fun for me because otherwise, like you said, I'd, I'd sink into that hole of, of watching Netflix and, and eating poorly and doing all this shit that really wears you down as a human. And uh, I think that during this time more than ever, it's important to prioritize your mental health for sure and prioritize your physical health and your relationships with those around you because that's that's the stuff that's going to keep you sane. Yeah, absolutely. So tell me about your animation team and, and what you guys have been working on. Well, what you would like to share. I'm not trying to get you to share any secrets right now. I know it's a very competitive business. Yeah. Well, right now we're working on um, a few things. So we have a few side projects. We have a short movie we're working on. It has no title. Uh, it's going to be based on sort of uh, space and, and the, the slow decline of Earth, um, that kind of apocalyptic vibe. Um, we also have been working with uh, these really great people who I can't talk about that much, but it's basically, <laughs> uh, it's we're going to be doing a mapping on one of the biggest buildings in the world so we're talking with them we've already kind of got approval um we're working on trying to come up with content and a concept so that we could uh do this awesome basically performance across the world in one of the biggest buildings so that's going to be dope and then on top of that uh we've been working on just creating content for for ourselves really just kind of uh testing some things out and, and playing with different you know uh different ways to go about the animations so that when we come back we have more to offer our clients Sure. And I'm also positive that because you can't really do much in person now, how much of your business has become about this animation? And, you know, is that helping keep you guys afloat right now? Uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty much the only thing keeping us afloat. I mean, 90% of our business is live events between the nightclubs that we work with in Boston, as well as the touring uh, artists that we tour with. With, with all of that shut down, uh, you know, we basically went from 
you know, getting a decent income to no income for everybody on the team. Um, a lot of our guys are on unemployment, like many companies still. And, um, you know, there's nothing we can really do about it until the events come back. So the animations have kept the expenses of the business running. Um, so we don't go bankrupt or have to shut down the company. Um, you know, as far as like accountants and things, the boring stuff uh, is getting yeah. paid for. But other than that, uh, yeah, I mean, we've just been trying our hardest to reinvest the time so that, you know, doing things like the monthly projection mappings, um, you know, doing new content and uh, really playing with new ideas. We're hoping that taking the time now to invest that time will pay off in the future. Yeah. And I mean, just speaking to a lot of small business owners right now and, and being one myself, it seems like the general vibe that we're getting now is that the businesses that were right on the edge have failed and they've gone under. And then it's like the next wave. And it's like, man, we thought we were going to be out of the woods like a lot sooner than this. And, you know, I had that, I had that three month budget. We're near in month six. And it's, um, it's like this calculation of how long can I keep going? And like, how much can I invest personally in something that, that I really care about and that I want to do forever, but that, you know, is, is might be putting me in a bad situation. Um, how many of these tough decisions have you had to make regarding your company? Yeah, I mean, luckily we have a really supportive team. Everyone's really understanding of the situation. I think, uh, you know, we have a unique team where uh, everyone kind of works together as a family. It's not very corporate or, you know, too strict where I have to like call people and be like, I'm sorry, I have to lay you off. It's more like, cool, like I don't want anyone to lose their job, but you know, we're paid by gig sort of situation. So as long as the gigs are stopped, everyone's hurting. Um, I think that most of my hard decisions are just figuring out ways to, to keep everybody happy and uh, keep everything running to the best we can at, at the way it is. So it, it's less about cutting people because no one was really on salary anyway, and more about making sure that people are doing okay personally and, and being there for my friends. Yeah, and I think that's huge. And, you know, from what I've seen with most small businesses right now, it's, it is really more of that like family vibe than, you know, some big company. So, you know, going through this tough time, obviously small businesses are getting hit the hardest, but it's kind of like, like they're the ones that in, in a certain respect are going to be able to handle it mentally because you do have that support system typically in a small business that you're not going to see, you know, at, at some larger firm just because, you know, they're doing layoffs and things like that. You, you've coworkers, but then, you know, next week they're calling you and they're like, yeah, like got laid off all the COVID stuff. Um, so for you, it, you know, mental health wise, how much stress has COVID put on you trying to run your business to the best that it can be? I mean, a lot. <laughs> I think for any business, for any business owner, there's a lot of stress. I think that, uh, my stress is, is more about, me worrying about the team, you know, I think that everyone feels a bit lost right now. Uh, we have 22 team members in total, um, you know, and oh, I'd say 98% of them are completely out of work. So um, unemployment's running out, that $600 federal thing's running out, everyone's starting to stress out. Um, you know, I'm just doing what I can to check in with everybody. This week, we're going to be doing a lot of one-on-one -on -one, um, Zoom calls with every employee that we have and, and talking to them, checking in asking how they're doing and just being there for them the best we can. Cause obviously financially there's not much we can do right now. Um, so most of my stress just comes from hoping that we get back up and running so that those guys aren't scrambling. 
um, obviously financially I'm hurting as well. Um, you know, just doing the best I can to stay afloat and, uh, try to make things happen. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, you know, speaking of those nightclubs in Boston, so I feel like the next, the next big decision that you might have to make is, you know, I'm sure they want to open up as soon as possible, but to a certain extent, like that might not be safe. What kind of, you know, communication have you had with them and, and what are, what is their thinking right now about how they're going to stay open and, and when they're going to reopen? Yeah. I mean, much like myself, every, everyone's just going with the flow. Uh, the regulations are changing every day. Um, a lot of uh, the clubs are pivoting and working on more restaurant type vibes where they'll open up the patios and serve food. Um, because a lot of the restaurant, a lot of the bars and clubs in Boston double as restaurants anyway, they have like a kitchen. So I know a lot of them have been kind of trying to pivot the best they can, but a lot of them are just hurting right now, man. They're, I mean, they're just suffering and, and, just begging for things to come back sooner rather than later. You know, I think if this lasts another six to 12 months, I'll probably see a lot of those clubs starting to close down. And, you know, then we have to consider what we need to do as a company to continue as well, because it puts us all in a bad position. So I think we're all just hoping for the best and hoping that, uh, you know, they find a vaccine soon or some solution so that we can safely open up because safety's first. Everyone I talk to, safety is the main concern, not money. Everyone's worried about their employees themselves and their family's safety. Everyone wants to get back as soon as possible, but we all want to make sure it's done safely. Yeah. That, I mean, that's awesome to hear too. Um, Cause you know, you hear these like nightmare stories out of like mainly Florida um, <laughs> where it's like, you know, like uh, the nightclubs back open and stuff like that. And I think for me uh, you know, it's difficult because, you know, and I'm sure you share the sentiment being a small business owner, you're like, you know, the labeling of, of businesses as essential and not essential um, when it first was like going on was kind of bullshit. Like to me, just because like, and talking to you too, you're like, yeah, we have 22 team members. And it's like for, you know, your business to be labeled something that might not be essential by, you know, a government entity or something like that, you know, irregardless of how many people you've working for you, how many people, you know, you're supporting with, with their bills and things like that. Um, that was just like, I think the toughest thing for me to accept is like, like businesses that are very essential are going to be labeled not essential. And to me, it doesn't matter what work you're doing. You know, you could be doing visual work, you could be doing whatever. Like if someone depends on that job for a paycheck, that's an essential business. And then you get into the complexity of like, okay, well, who can be open? Um, and I think the other frustrating thing too is seeing, you know, small businesses kind of get thrown on the back burner. You know, I know a lot of smaller, you know, general type stores that the government's like, yeah, you just, you can't open. Or when they finally allowed them to open, they're like, you know, extremely limited capacity, all this stuff. But then you see the Walmart down the street and they're like, yeah, they never had to close. They barely have restrictions, especially yeah. in the beginning. And like, that the the number of people at first like wasn't being in, enforced and you're like these businesses that like really need it and, and I'm not I'm not attacking big business I'm I'm a business major myself I love business but like you're seeing these small businesses get thrown on the back burner and you're like you just start to wonder and you're like why why are we not prioritizing the businesses that are going to close in 2 to 4 months if they're not getting anything in there yeah, I mean, it's it's hard. It's difficult because on one end, I agree that, you know, essential businesses should be open. But like you said, that's the definition of essential. That's bullshit because 
the government isn't thinking about the people behind it. They're just thinking of the, of the resource. And I think that it's very clear to everybody how the United States has bumbled this entire situation. And I think that, uh, you know, if we had taken it more seriously from the start and done a proper shutdown of all businesses, everyone should have shut down for a month because everyone could have survived that. You know, I think that a lot of it comes down to the fact that we as a country struggle with being controlled and, when people say we have to do something, it's very difficult to accept that we don't have the control to say no. And I think it's one of those situations where the people who have that mindset need to realize that they're better off listening this time around because it's very clear that we're becoming an embarrassment to the world. We're not handling this right. Our, our people are dying. Our, our brothers, our sisters, our, our grandmothers, our, our family members are, are passing away. And, you know, it may not affect that one person, but it, might, it will someday and they, they will regret that they didn't take it more seriously. And I think that we're never going to get this industry back up and running if, if, if we don't start taking it seriously as a country. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, it, it opens up this whole dialogue, which is like, you know, part of the reason why this country has so many great aspects to it is because of our focus on like freedom and, and people being able to make their own decisions. But I also think like, on the part of a lot of government agencies, this was a huge blunder um, just in the way that things were presented. So I think I I don't support misinforming the public at in any capacity. However, I think if you make some assumptions and then put that out, I don't think that that's necessarily wrong. And the one example I can think of that like as a, as a marketing major and, and now graduated, learned all my stuff, got the diploma, can't take it back no matter how much they want to, right? Um, The marketing thing for me is the masks. And I'm like, look, there's all this data that says that they work great. There's all this data that says that they don't work as well as they should. We all know that. Most people know that. Most people that have done their research, they're like, some people say (laughs) it works. Some people say that they don't. There's tests that show both sides, okay? The number one mistake that the United States made in regards to masks, is they said, it's not so much about protecting yourself, it's about protecting the people around you. Because here's where that gets fishy. If you are doing something for yourself, most people much more inclined to help themselves out than they are to help other people. And I'm not saying that Americans or or people in general, because I I generally believe that people are good on like a whole like scale. Okay, I don't know if that's because of my lack of experience in the real world, but whatever, let my naivete stay, okay? Um, (laughs) But it's like people always have that inherent bias and especially for survival. So instead of saying, well, think about how good it is that you're going to be protecting other people. Why not just immediately go with it's going to keep you safe and stay like that because as soon as they were like you're keeping other people safe not necessarily yourself everyone's like i don't need to wear this mask (laughs) and and you know they're trying to go into stores without it and stuff and so i think you know i have my own opinions on on whether the mask works or not but i'll tell you this i have like three of them and if i'm going into a store i'm gonna wear a mask whether or not i fully believe that it's gonna work or not because I would rather be on the side of like, like caution and it's not going to debilitate me that much. I mean, it's, but it, you know, it, it's a double-sided thing. There's people that are like, you know, if you can't wear a mask, like you're a baby. And I'm like, okay, for me, like it, it does create this like weird sense of like internal panic that you have to get over. And like, it does make it harder to breathe. So like, 
I hate when people are like, yeah, that's not a thing at all. Like, it's definitely a thing. But if a store is asking you politely, like, please, it's mandated in the state or, you know, in the country, wherever you are, the people that are like arguing with the, you know, like minimum wage staff of like the grocery stores, the hardware stores, I'm like, what are you thinking? These are people who are out during a pandemic. They're trying to get you your toilet paper. They're trying to get you your new light bulbs. They're trying to get you, you know, your, your chocolate muffins, everything that you need or need right during this pandemic. And you're like arguing with this person who makes probably less than you and, and they're out, you know, in the shit of it. So it's just, I think there's so many sides, but on the whole, it's like, just be a good person try and wear the mask when you can but have you uh around you what you know have you seen anybody uh having issues with this or is it mainly like people are following the rules yeah i mean it just depends on where you go i think in san diego you know i've driven down by the beaches and you can see there's there's hundreds of people with no masks not socially distancing i think that us as a country have an issue where it starts at the top you know i don't want to get too crazy political but you have someone like Mike Pence who comes out and says, hey, the CDC just said, you know, kids shouldn't go back to schools, but fuck them. They should go back to school. You know, I don't care what they say. Like, it, you know, you have Trump up there not wearing a mask. Like it's the, the government's not sending us a clear message. They're not saying that masks are going to save us. They're, they're the health organization saying you should wear masks. It absolutely is going to help. And then you have the government administration saying, well, we don't know that. And the facts aren't there. Now, whether you agree with Trump or not, the point is that they need to have a united front. And they don't right now. I think that that the World Health Organization, which we left, the CDC, and, and all, all of our main scientists are battling against our administration, Trump and Pence and, and, and all those guys. I mean, you look at Fauci, who poor guy is trying to do his best, and Trump's like, fuck that guy. You know, and it's like, well, he's just trying to look out for you, man. And at the end of the day, we should all be looking out for each other. And like you said, it's, it's a selfish country. It's a selfish people i think i don't think as a whole anyone's trying to do anyone harm i think that people are just so set in their beliefs it's difficult for them to understand why they should do something when they're told to do it as opposed to wanting to do it and i think that it all starts at the top if the government came out and said hey you have to wear this mask like you said almost like a white lie even if it doesn't work like put on the fucking mask it's not that big of of an ask you know especially i mean you know i've seen the world and, and i've seen a lot of shitty countries i've seen a lot of shitty governments i've seen people mistreated i've seen women that are allowed to be beaten in some countries and women that you know aren't allowed to vote and it's like we're sitting here battling over a mask you know we have all this stuff going on with black lives matter we have the the pedophilia ring coming out you know like the world is fucking crazy right now and you're going to complain over a piece of cloth that you have to wear on your face (laughs) think about the i mean millions of muslims in the world do that shit every day it's not going to kill you to do it for your safety. Yeah, I think it's just, I think it's such a transition for people. And I think especially people that aren't used to, I, I think from what I've seen, it's usually not like a young people thing. And I, I don't think I'd go as far to say like, we're necessarily a selfish country. But I think for me, I, I definitely know that like the, the instinct for self-preservation is always just part of human nature going to be higher typically than the instinct for preserving other people. So I think definitely like, you know, it, in the beginning, it should have just been like a a thing where they're just like, just wear the mask. You know, it protects you too, even if it's not like a complete. And I think that's the other problem though, is because what ended up happening is we have all of this input coming in and 
you know, I, I'm going to stay out of politics, but I think we have a lot of info coming in and I don't necessarily completely fault Trump for everything that's been happening or this administration, because I also like, if I were to put myself in the president's shoes, like I, I wouldn't be able to handle anything like this. And I think as a country too, just, you know, for whatever reason, we were woefully unprepared for anything like this to happen, whether it was the previous administration, this administration. So I think, too, it's like, for me, removing it from politics helps because that's when we're going to start seeing more people come together. If we're doing this, you know, like politically divided lines between like wearing the mask and not, it's like, you know, if Biden supporters and Trump supporters are, are going head to head and masks become like a political thing more than they already are, it's like, you're never going to get people yeah. to wear the masks versus like this year. My goal this year is to lead with understanding of like other people and try and consider everything that's going on with them. So, you know, politically, I've had some of the best conversations I've ever had with people that I completely disagree with, because during this time, too, you're able to with with everything political going on. I know it seems crazy, but if you're able to remove the politics from that situation, and just say, like, you are a human being and like you're going through some stuff just like I'm going through some stuff. I know that I'm having a hard time because that's self-preservation aspect. So I know you must be having a hard time. I think that's how we're going to start getting things done. I think yeah. it's but it's it's difficult too. you know, like I don't I don't disagree that, you know, politics has has kind of made this whole thing seem so divisive when it's really like. You know, look look back in our history when anything this major with this much loss of life has happened and there's not this divisiveness. You know, look at like we're seeing, you know, some of these numbers now that we're seeing for deaths in this country. They're not at, you know, World War level, but we're getting into like, let's say, early stages of World War One or World War Two in terms of losses yeah. that brings the country together. And I don't think we've ever seen a situation in which such a huge tragedy going on in this country and something so ongoing has created such divisiveness. But I think it is also, like you said, it's a product of how political we've become in this country. So I think my, again, my big thing for this year is like lead with understanding. And I'm just like, listen, like I, I don't like anything that you say, right. But, but taking it out of that person and just being like, holy crap, like I had the worst day of my life yesterday. And like, yeah. this was a rough week. So like, you're probably going through something too. And so like, what, what conversations have you had like that or, or just conversations with people that you normally disagree with during this pandemic and, and what's been like your outcome for that? Yeah. I mean, I have a few homies who don't believe in the masks and don't believe in the social distancing. Um, I think that, you know, oftentimes when it comes to politics or religion, you have to be careful and, and, you know, step on glass kind of situation. Um, but I think that after having conversations with those people, it's kind of, just, there's a mutual respect. It's like, cool. I respect that. That's your opinion. And that's what you want to do. You know, I personally don't feel safe going out with a large group of people. So I'm going to sit in and, and most of my friends have been like, cool, totally get that. No worries. You know, I think that my frustration just comes with the fact that I want this to be over and, you know, everyone seems to be equally frustrated and there's only so much we could do you know, as, as citizens versus a political situation. And like you said, regardless of which side you support, whether it's Biden or Trump, it, it shouldn't be political. It should just be a united front. I just wish that the administration 
would come with a clear a clear statement. I feel when I, I watch right. the news every day and I feel so back and forth. You know, they tell us the masks help, then they tell us the masks don't mean shit. They say six feet, they say ten feet, and they're like, oh, six feet is bullshit. Oh, it's airborne. Oh, it's waterborne. We don't know. Now it's not. You know, it's like no one's giving us clear-cut information. I wish that they would all talk to each other before they talk to us as a group of people that are in charge and um and just just come out with a, a clear statement, you know, that helps everyone, you know, in a clear law. I mean, I think the biggest failure we have right now is that the states have control. I think that this should be a federally mandated situation because when you when you separate that and you give states control, you have too many states that are saying we want this and other states that say we don't want this and it becomes political because you start going you know, Democrat versus Republican state making right. these decisions. Depending Instead on what federal- color that state leans. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, it shouldn't be that. It, it, like you said, it's not about politics. So why are we leaving it to state states to decide? Because the states that don't decide are going to hurt the states that do decide. I think that's, that's so true for a couple reasons. And I think it involves politics, but I think it's also like, and, and I like what you said about a united front. And I think that Right now, with all of the data that we're getting from like independent studies and then we're getting stuff from the CDC and the WHO and like all this stuff and it's all coming in, I think it's difficult to discern what you actually need to be paying attention to. And like I'm a big believer that like I think the media is a big enemy of the people. I don't think it's always been that way. I don't think that it's completely that way. But I think that for the most part, when you when you track like, okay, how does a media company do well? You're like, they create all these issues, right? And then they they drum things up. And in certain respects, you know, that's not necessarily harmful when you're trying to create a dialogue in, in order to, you know, create change. And there's there's so many examples and we see everything going on with the Black Lives Matter movement right now. And maybe that is an example of that. But I think the other thing, and, you know, with that going on now too, like that belief that I have that most people are generally good, like the media just like stomps the shit out of that constantly every day. And like, I have friends that watch the news all day, every day because they're unemployed. They don't have anything to do. So they sit on the couch, they watch CNN or Fox news. Again, doesn't matter which way you lean, which is, which is this funny thing. It's the media right now is creating this narrative that everything is the worst that it's ever been. Everything is awful. Everyone hates each other. Um, if <laughs> I think the thing this week and, and these past <laughs> few weeks too has been like they're trying to drum up like racial issues. And, I, and I'm, I would never take away from anything that's going on and the people protesting and trying to create change in the way that they see change needs to be had. Yeah. Like I, I would never take away from that. And the right to protest is a huge part. But it's also like if you watch the news every day and you're a black person you're going to think that all white people hate you. If you watch the news every day and you're a white person, you're going to think that all black people hate you because that's the narrative that's being created right now when in reality, like especially around riots and things like that, the amount of people actually destroying things or vandalizing things, lighting things on fire, stealing, is like this small. The amount of people like actually committing acts of violence, like this small. But they drum all of this up and they're like, Right now, with everything going on, everyone is in danger. It's a, it's a huge, violent thing. And it's like, when you break it down, the protests right now are trying to display a show of change. And they're trying to show force, but not in, not in like a violent way. They're trying to show, like, we have people behind this. We have so many people who care about this issue. 
And I, you know, I've seen countless videos of, of actual protesters who are protesting peacefully, who are trying to make a statement and create change and dialogue and all these things. And they're having to take time out of that to stop people from smashing windows. And it's like, when you create that, that issue and you're only showing the camera on that one person smashing windows, you're not showing all of the people who are actually out there for real change instead of to just smash, smash things up because they're bored in quarantine. So I think that's been a huge issue for me as well, just trying to talk to friends and be like, it doesn't matter how you fall politically. Like if you don't understand that the media is trying to drum things up, like then then you're not going to understand that the, the world is actually not that bad of a place. And I think this country too, I hope this isn't too political of a statement uh, these days, but I also think this country is not a bad country on the whole. I think we have beautiful people. We have some of the most creative people, some of the most inventive people on the entire planet. And this country gives you the opportunity to excel in those things. And, you know, I'm not saying that there aren't issues. Obviously there are issues. And, and right now we're seeing protests because of some of those issues. But when all you're focusing on is the worst parts and that's constantly your narrative, I think you're taking away so much from what that movement actually is and what it means. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt that that we've become, you know, it's the age of misinformation, man. I think yeah. that people forget a lot of things. They forget that the news is is a business for profit. It's it's an entertainment source. It is not your only source of information and you shouldn't take it as so. You, could, you shouldn't take anything you see on the internet as fact and you shouldn't even take the news as fact because everything's going to be biased to some extent. And exactly. people also forget that the government's really only telling us 50%, maybe if we're lucky, of what's actually happening right now. You know, it's like yep. they, they have to limit how they inform the public because they have to limit how we react to that information. And I think that a lot of people are naive and think that the news is just like 100% reality and 100% the <laughs> truth of what's going on. And, and how, how could they lie? It must be illegal for them to lie. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, it's not about lying. It's about them, you know, kind of bending and twisting and, and trying to get viewers and, you know, shock. And, and right now we're in, in, we're in a depressed state. And I think that the news is catering to that for sure. I think you're absolutely right. And it's, it sucks because it, it takes away from everything that's going on. It takes away from the Black Lives Matter movement because it makes it look violent when it's not, you know, and you see stuff like, you know, cops supposedly planting bricks next to buildings and stuff like trying to help remotivate. And I've heard like crazy conspiracy stuff like that. But there's it might so not many be conspiracies right now. Yeah. But it's hard because you got like Gillian Maxwell and, and all this stuff going on. And it's oh, like, man. it's like you're like, wait, so it wasn't a conspiracy. There was an island and there were children. And it's like. Yeah. And that and, and the Black Lives Matter thing. And it's like these these huge things in history are happening right now. And as if the pandemic wasn't overwhelming enough, I think <laughs> people are just losing their fucking minds and everyone is vulnerable to being uh, misinformed and, and easily falling for that information. So I try not to I take agree. anyone, you know, like you said, if people are passionate about their views. I think it's important to try to take a step back and realize that, you know, maybe you're misinformed. Or maybe the person you're talking to is misinformed. Either way, it's you don't not, know. Yeah, it's just not worth hurting someone over. So it's it's important to be sensitive to those situations and and be exactly. aware of what people are going through right now, like you said. Yeah, and I think too, like like you said it, like the Gilhane or Gillian or however the hell you pronounce her name, <laughs> uh, Maxwell. They came out with something uh, this week, and I just I literally I sat there 
in like disbelief. And I'm like, I can't believe that they said that. And like, I wondered how many people picked up on it. So the thing that I saw was they, the news came out with something and they were talking about how they have been moving her from cell block to cell block, cell to cell on a very regular basis with very few people in the know about, you know, which, you know, cell or which cell block she's going to be in at any given time. And it's all random and all this other stuff, which, so they're saying that. And I'm like, I wonder if people actually understand what that means, because what that really means is they're telling you, oh, hey, by the way, um, you know how everyone said that, uh, you know, Jeffrey Epstein was assassinated. Yeah, that was definitely what happened, because why the hell else would we be moving someone like like in the grand scheme of things? And I'm not trying to belittle her arrest because that was that was a huge thing to start, you know, uprooting a bunch of these Hollywood uh, pedos, which which now I think we have much more evidence to the fact that this actually happened, right? And the and the flight logs and all that stuff. But compared to actual Jeffrey Epstein, she is such a minor player and she could be the key to unlocking everything. But compared to him, she's such a minor, like he's the guy doing it and all this stuff. But we heard nothing about them moving him from cell to cell. We heard nothing, but oh, okay. Now you're admitting you know, kind of in an offhanded way that you totally screwed up and it was definitely an assassination, which you told us for months it was not and to just drop it. So it's just, I think, I really hope that that all this stuff comes out because I want to see people go to jail because I've been seeing stuff about this for, for years and I think it's finally like, I've seen Jeffrey Epstein's name on all of these, you know, conspiracy sites and stuff like that for like four years and now it's actually like, Oh yeah, like he he definitely had that island. There was definitely like pedophilia going on. Gilhane Maxwell allegedly was like getting, you know, the people for him and there's all these celebrities involved. Like I just worry that we're going to have another Jeffrey Epstein where either she gets assassinated or disappears or or both guards fall asleep at the same time and somehow have random amnesia as to where <laughs> where this super super high profile prisoner is i just i don't want it to be another epstein because you know it's kind of like we're getting teased like arrest these people get the information keep them safe even though they're shitty people but like i i want to see some arrests i want to see this start happening yeah i think they're in an interesting scenario right now because it's like they can't they can't kill her you know it's like they 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 just i think the government realized real quick after jeffrey epstein died that we all know what's going on you know what i mean it's like oh, it's yeah. it's too obvious and they've been hiding in plain sight for so long that that they're so comfortable and i think people are getting uncomfortable and and you know there obviously is some reality to the situation it's no longer a conspiracy or these people wouldn't be getting arrested you know and they had to grab her obviously with epstein being dead it's like you have to get any source you can to try to keep it moving so kudos on them for arresting her and not just you know getting it swept under the rug but yeah i mean if she turns up dead it's going to be laughable you know it's it's that ridiculous i think it'll be worse for for them i think for the people involved what it'll do is it'll make all of this political turmoil that we have now seem like nothing i think it's going to it's going to unite people if she turns up dead and we're going to want answers and we're going to demand them. It doesn't matter if you're Democrat, Republican, Libertarian, whatever. If she turns up dead, like you can't, like you said, you can't sweep that under the rug. Like people are going to come together. They're going to demand answers. And if if you're standing there and you don't have any, I, I don't know. I don't think that's going to go well for you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're all watching. So, 
I mean, fingers crossed. I don't, I don't want like anyone getting killed off by the government, no matter how shitty of a person they are. But exactly, you know, I think I think it's important we get our answers. So I don't know. I bet next next podcast in a few months we'll talk about it and see what happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Season three. Uh, you know, just so just so everyone's aware, Jay Knight Ride will be back on. He will be one of the first people on, and we will be talking about all of the arrests that have been made <laughs> through getting information out of Gilhade Maxwell. You heard it here first. Exactly, exactly. Hey, Jay, thank you so much for coming on Tots. I really appreciate it. As always, fantastic conversation. And uh, I look forward to having you on in season three so we can we can get to the bottom of some of this. Let's do some detective work. Hell yeah, man. And I'll be keeping an eye on the mail for those uh, those frozen Tots to start uh, the season three interview. Exactly. I think, I think I'm definitely going to hire a, uh, a geneticist and probably a botanist. And, you know... I, you can say whatever you want about it. We will get tater tots on a vine. I, I don't give a shit what you think about it, how much it's going to cost. We will get tater tots on a vine. It will be incredible. And I'm going to send you the first tater tot plant. So you you be prepared for that. It's coming. I will display it proudly in my house if I don't eat it all first. There you go. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks, Ben. Appreciate it. We'll talk soon, all right? Yep. Much love. All right, and that is going to do it for my episode with Jay Nightride. It was fantastic having him back on the show, and hopefully we can have him back again in the future. If you enjoyed this episode, please let us know. You can find all of our links and contact us at www.solo.to forward slash tots. That's T-O-T-S. You can also find us all over social media at totscast. You can find us on YouTube at Tots Podcast. We are literally everywhere. Um, If you want to listen to some other episodes, you can find us on Spotify, Google, Apple, all of those. It's fantastic. We are absolutely everywhere. Um, If you want to see some other episodes or learn a little bit more about the podcast, you can find that at www.totspodcast.com. We would also really appreciate your financial support. You can find us on Patreon at Tots Podcast. I hope you guys have a fantastic week. And I'll see you next Friday.